So we've been in a great series called Change. And the wonderful thing about change is that it comes to everybody no matter whether they want it or not. I love people who think they're never going to get old. I just love it. I just laugh. It's just so hilarious. Like, I'm never going to get old. I tell you what, I'm 90, I'm going to be. And, and then the closer you get to 90, the more you realize it ain't going to happen that way. But change is an amazing thing. And, uh, and change in the spirit, change of the human heart is the greatest miracle. I wanted to share a verse that we've shared each week so far, and that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. The Bible says, so all of us who have had that veil removed, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him. How? As we are changed into his glorious image. If you want to know what the will of God is for your life and why we're in this thing and what the Lord has accomplished at Calvary and why all this is taking place is so that you, sir, and that you, ma'am, might be changed into the image of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen, because that's a big deal. That's a powerful thing to think about that it's not just about what's going on on this earth right now. And so, you know, we started this series off with a change of identity. Pastor Jordan opened it up. And when you meet Christ, your identity changes. Then we went into the change of desires with Pastor Casey. Last week, Pastor Jordan shared about, about the change in relationships. And today we're going we're gonna to close out this series with this idea of a change of purpose. Because most of us don't really know our purpose. We just kind of get in the race and we just kind of are carried alone through it like a leaf in a brook. You know, when we were kids, when the ditches would overflow after big rain, we would each get a stick and we'd start at one end of the ditch and we would race our little boats to the other end. That's how some people feel like, just a stick in a ditch, just kind of going alone and hoping everything works out. But it, it doesn't really work that way because God has plans. He has plans for people's lives. He had, a, he had a plan for Abraham. And the amazing thing is, is that every person that he has a plan for, he has to change them in order to accomplish the plan. Abram, he changed his name to Abraham so that he could accomplish and be the father of many nations. And then they had people like Moses. Moses grew up, you know, in Pharaoh's house. You know the story. And then God changed the plan. And then he was in the wilderness for many years. And then God changed the plan. And then he, he led the people of, of Israel out of Egypt as a deliverer. You had David, King David, a shepherd boy changed to a king. You, you had people like John the Baptist who was a normal guy and then next thing you know, God changes him into the forerunner of Jesus Christ and then in that he has to change because Jesus had to increase and John the Baptist had to decrease and so there was change there. And then even in the life of the apostle Paul who once was Saul, who had given his whole life to learning about God as a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and then God meets him on a road one day and decides that he's going to change his purpose. He prepared him for a change in purpose. You see, some people's callings are dramatic. That's a very dramatic calling. 
where you're, you're arrested by the Lord and, and your destiny has changed. And, and, and some people look at their, their, their life and say, well, I don't have a dramatic calling. But, but that's where you've missed it. Because every person who names the name of Jesus has a dramatic calling upon their life. The Bible calls it the high calling in Christ Jesus. And so we all have that calling. You know, I remember when Jan and I got saved. Now, we got saved together. We, in other words, we committed our life to Jesus at the same time, which is a good thing to do as husband and wife. It doesn't always work out that way, but it's a great thing. And so we just, we, all we knew is that something had happened to us and we could see differently in our life. And we realized that we had never known God, but now we begin to know God. We were introduced to him. And because of that, we realized that our family needed to know that. It's a good thing to know that once I was lost and now I'm found and our family, so we just made a list. We began to tell our family. We went to all of our family members and told them this great news that we had found because we really found it. We really had it. It was real to us. And so we shared with it, man. And I think God saw that. And so because we were faithful in that little thing, God began to say, well, I think I might be able to promote this guy. Maybe he'll do something for me. And then he began to give opportunities, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I remember the day <clears throat> that I was working on my job. I was in accounting, and I, I handled uh, all of the bookkeeping for our firm and all of the insurance and the credit and all these things. And, and my boss gave me the job one day to, to uh, create or to institute a a retirement program for all of, the, all of our companies. And so I was working on that one day and I had a vision from the Lord. It was a true vision from the Lord. I was sitting at my desk working and all of a sudden I was standing in front of my desk facing myself, looking at myself. And behind me was a paneled wall and all of a sudden two big black curtains came and closed up. They were silky curtains. They closed up and they kind of moved back and forth and then they settled. And when they settled, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you'll not retire from this company. That's all he told me. He didn't tell me anything more. He just said, you'll not retire. He used what I was working on to tell me what was going to happen. You're not gonna retire from this company. And, and of course, it's obvious I didn't. So here's something I, I, wanna, I wanna share with you. I wanna share with you that when we meet Jesus, our purpose changes. And if your purpose is not changing, if you don't know about it, you're gonna know about it today because every person who meets Jesus, their purpose changes. Jesus told his disciples, he's walking down the river by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees these two guys, James and John, they're brothers, they're in the boat with their father, Zebedee, and they're mending their nets, they're cleaning their nets, they're working because they're fishermen. That's what they do for a living, that's what they always did for a living, and then Jesus says simple words, come and follow me. And from that moment, you know, the amazing thing is, they left their profession, Right then, they just got out of the boat. Not only that, they left their father in the boat. It's what we've been teaching you about the change in relationships, a change in atmospheres, a change sometimes in employment, a change in location sometimes. But not always. But always a change of purpose. I can tell you one thing. When he called Peter, remember the day he told Peter, he said, Peter, you're a, basically he said, you're, you're fishing for fish? but follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. 
and Peter followed him. But I want to tell you right now, Peter didn't have a clue of what Jesus was really talking about. I mean, what's a fisher of men? Let's get real. And you know what's funny? A lot of times when the Lord first calls us to do something, we don't have a clue of what it means. Oh, I mean, there might be a few of you who are very, very so close to the Lord that you know the future. But for the most part, we don't know. We step line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, here a step, there a step. We're almost sometimes groping, wondering, God, what do you want me to do? Because God puts us in a process. Now, let me say this, finding purpose in the process because we're all on a quest to see the will of God and the purpose of God for our life. We're all on a quest. And if you are on a quest, I want you to wake up today and realize you're in the process. Get in the process and stay in the process. And for you who don't think you're anything with all this insecurity and all this, you are somebody and God's got a purpose for your life. Amen? He's got a purpose for your life. So now, say, well, how does this process work? Well, on the walls of the lobby, if you want to go look after service, you'll see there's four placards there. And that's really the process that God puts us through. It's really what I want to share with you today. And the first, the first process is, is to know God. Now, why do we exist as a church? I know sometimes we think we exist as a church to have good church services. And I love good church services, but I'll tell you, that's not why we exist. We exist to know God and to help other people know God, period. Because if you don't know God, you're doomed condemned even as you live. We must know God. We must understand who he is. Second Corinthians chapter four says, Satan, you know who he is. He is the God of this world. That's right. And he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. That's the problem. You say, why don't you believe? Because we're blinded. I didn't believe because I was blinded. I was blinded. And he says, they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. I was blinded. You were blinded. They are blinded. People are blinded. Don't, don't come down on blind people. You know, you never, would, you never would come against a person who is physically blind for stumbling over a curb in the city. You wouldn't say, I can't believe that that blind person has stumbled over the curb. Why don't he get his act together? But yet people are blinded in spirit. And sometimes we say, I can't believe. Quit saying you can't believe that sinners sin. Look, when I was a sinner, I sinned real good. <laughs> Didn't you? You sinner, you. Didn't you? You looking at me, some of you looking at me like you ain't ever sinned before. You sinned last night probably. That's why you're looking at me that way. Nicodemus, a religious man. I mean, I'm talking about a man who is on the upper echelon of religious leadership in Israel, came to Jesus at night one time and said, Jesus, we know that you come from God because nobody can do what you do unless God sends him. There's, there's just no way that, that that can happen. It can't happen. He knew a lot about God, but he did not know God. But he began to recognize that there's something different than what he had, and that's the first place that you want to be. But watch this. It, it's, it's such a tragedy. We, we live in such a time, and it's always been this way, but even maybe getting a little bit deeper now. Such a tragedy, such a religious tragedy that somebody would know about God, but yet would not experience the power of God in their life. That they would know about God, but would not know God. And the way you know that you know God is that his power is operating in your life. 
that you know that you know that you know that his presence is in your life. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and he said, and I just love this verse in John 3, 3. He said, you know what? I'm going to tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is an invisible kingdom. It cannot be seen by the natural eye. It's why it's so foolish to natural people because you can't see it. And even when we try to explain, look, the kingdom of God, it's like this. And they say, say what? Say what? It's a hidden kingdom. And, and here's, here's, here's a statement I want you to get. Jesus opens our eyes to see the kingdom of God because it is the hidden kingdom. It cannot be seen by everybody. That's why it's foolishness to so many people. Knowing God is a lifelong experience. Paul, the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, said one day, he said, you know what, that I might know him. I believe what he was saying, that I might keep knowing him, that I might know him more and more, deeper and deeper. You see, the trap is when we get to know God a little bit, we think we know God a lot. He is so big, much, much, he's so much larger than, than what we are, what we can even retain, that it's a lifelong experience of knowing him. So we have to know God. The second thing we, we, we know that we have to do is we have to find freedom. We have to find freedom, folks. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, now listen to me. Freedom is so freeing. To be free lightens your life. To be free of shame and guilt that sin brings to be free to know that you're following the path of God, to be free that, that you're alive to God. It's like in the worship today, like, like we said, I stepped out of that grave. Let me tell you something. When we sing that song, I'll tell you, I literally know that I have come out of a grave. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm literally like, I, I, I can't explain it. I'm like, ooh, I want to get baptized. You know what I mean? It's like, used to. I would jump, but not anymore. <laughs> but watch this. That song is so tremendous because Jesus, one day, his friend had died four days before, and he finally went to the grave. His name was Lazarus. He called Lazarus out of the grave. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Come on out. Come on, come on out. And Lazarus, come out. Now, in those days, when they buried people, they wrapped them in grave clothes. In other words, they wrapped them up with galls and all sorts of things. And so he came out. You can just picture him walking out like a mummy sort of walking out. He had to because Jesus saw him. And when Jesus saw him, Jesus said, now, I like some versions of the Bible better than others. He said, loose him and let him go. Loose him. In other words, take the grave clothes off of him. And that is nothing more than a picture of complete freedom. Because you can come alive in God and still be full of bondage. I, I, I am the bearer of true news. You can know God and still not have complete freedom. And that's where a lot of people are. And that's why we just so strongly and lovingly encourage you to get in a freedom group. When the semester strikes off of small groups, I just want to encourage you to get into a freedom group. Eight weeks of small groups with a good group of people with a great leader and then a retreat at the end that you'll be able to deal with everything that's weighing you down, folks. That you might be loosed of your grave clothes, basically that you might be able to live this life and when we, when we worship or when you pray or when you're just in your private time or when you're driving in your car or when you're sitting at your house watching a football game, you're free. Yeah. 
You're free, folks. Because people who are locked up can never find their true purpose. Because they have to deal with their bondage over and over and over again. And I know bondage is real, and I understand bondage is real. And that's why Jesus said this in John 8 when he said, you know what? If the Son sets you free, you're truly free. You're really going to be free. And there's a difference between I'm free, I'm free, and then when somebody says, I'm free. Really. I'm free of the pain and the suffering and the abuse and all the things and all the baggage that we have Join a small group. Get free of sin and bondage and selfishness. Just deal with it and be done with it. Amen? Amen. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been through that and your life has truly been changed. The third thing we, we want to teach you is that you must discover your purpose because Jesus sets us free so that we can discover our purpose. He really does that. It's really in the plan of God. Now, let's go a little bit deeper because discovering our, our, our purpose has everything to do with Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived for 30 years underneath the tutorage of his, his father, his, you know, his earthly father, Joseph, his mother, G, uh, Mary, and he was a carpenter, craftsman. And, but at the age of 30, things began to change. And all of a sudden, one day, he's walking down the River Jordan, and John the Baptist, whose purpose has been identified as the forerunner of Christ, says, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And from that moment, things begin to change. And then finally, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, his cousin. And when he came out of the water, the Bible teaches us that we heard a voice from heaven. The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And the very first thing that happened was that God changed his purpose. No longer was he to be a carpenter, a craftsman. No longer. Now things changed in an instant of time. And when it changed, the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted one-on-one -on -one by Satan himself, the God of this world. And Jesus overcame temptation. And you know the story of what happened. And though he was born of a virgin and though he was sinless in nature, still Jesus went through the transformation process of God putting him right in the middle of his purpose. And if Jesus need to, needed to be repurposed and repositioned, I think we need to also because, listen to this, when a person commits their life to God, he will present to them a brand new purpose and a brand new focus. The eternal becomes the focal point of their life, and the temporal is put into its right perspective. Listen to me, folks. When you meet Jesus, when you find freedom, God begins to show you your full purpose, and your purpose is not only in this temporal world, but your purpose has so much more to do with eternity. Eternity scares most people. I can feel it in this room right now. When we shift from my job, my house, mow the lawn, treat my wife right, eat a hot dog, go to a ball game, and we start talking about eternity, we get quiet because so many of us are ignorant of eternity because we don't put it in its right place. It's not in the right focus. But everyone is heading to eternity. We're born again, we come alive in the spirit. Things that are seen are temporary. Everything that you see around you is temporary. Oh my, all of it. 
And everything that you cannot see is eternal. It's the kingdom of God. We call it heaven. I call it being with Jesus. Wherever he is, it really won't matter. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I've got a taste of what it's gonna feel like because it's eternal. The question is, when you, or the statement is, when your purpose is changed, your vision for life changes. Here's the question. Has your vision for your life changed? Or are you like most people still working for retirement? If I can just get to 62 and a half, I can quit work because we think work is our purpose. And it's not. It's not our purpose. It's just something we have to do to put food on the table. Why do you think you work? Look, if most of you didn't have to work, you wouldn't. Come on now, let's be real. You'll just quit today. So how does God change my purpose? How is this going to happen? Is there some kind of process, God? Well, I think there is a process. I think God wants to change uh, your, your purpose. I, I, I think that, you know, myself, from a little child, about this tall, I guess maybe five or six, maybe seven, I spent a lot of time at my uncle, my aunt and uncle's house. Evidently, mom was working, dad was working, so I spent a lot of time there. And my uncle, Rick, was, he was a bookkeeper. Uh, he worked at a company in, in Baton Rouge, and, and uh, he would bring work home. And I, 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 can, like, I can see it like it was just happened just a moment ago. I used to stand by his, his dining room table and watch him work book work. He, he, there was no computers back then, just a, a, a large, full-faced calculator, if you know what I mean. And he would write these numbers in these small columns, the columnar pads with a, with a pencil. And, and he would keep his pencil sharp by, as he would write, he would twirl his pencil. And his pencil never went dull. And I would watch him for hours. And I remember as a young boy telling my mom, uh, I want to be just like Uncle Rick. That's what I want to do. I want to do that, what he's doing. And for years, that's the way it was. But like everything else, when you get a little bit older, you kind of forget what you wanted to be. Everybody wants to be a police officer. Everybody wants to be a fireman or an army man. You know what I'm talking about. But then, then the time came around the middle of high school where it just hit me, and that's what I wanted to do. And so I began to prepare myself. And to make a long story short, through, through certain events, not only did I do that type work, but I went to work for the same company that he worked for, my uncle. He was still there. Not only did I go to work for the same company that he worked for, I went to work in the same office that he worked in. Not only did I work in the same office that he worked in, but I actually took his job. And now at the age of about 22 or 23 years of age, I'm now doing the identical thing that as a small child, I was watching him do at his kitchen table. Just an amazing, you said, well, you found your purpose. There it is. Your whole life, you wanted to do that. And I had a good job. I mean, it was a wonderful job. But God began to intervene and tell me, you'll not retire from this company. But God, you, got, you know, if, if I would argue with God, which I don't argue too much with God, it's futile to argue with God. But if I did argue with God, I'd probably say, well, God, I'm here my whole life. This is what I wanted to do. And now you've put me, I could have even made it spiritual. You've placed me here. This is wonderful. You fulfill my dream. But I can tell you what he would have told me. He would have said, I might have fulfilled your dream, but that's enough of that. Let me fulfill my dream. You see, you want God to fulfill your, his dream, not your dream. You got all kinds of dreams, and most of them are selfish. Get real, you selfish thing, you. 
What about God's dream for you? What about God's purpose for you? So I believe, number one, God changes my purpose when I'm open to him. I believe when I'm open to God, he begins to change my purpose. Romans 12, 1, we use this so much, you're probably tired of it, but that's okay. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that you find acceptable. This is truly the, the way to worship God. Offer your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, a sacrificial life. Uh, I look at it this way, a childlikeness, a childlike life, a, a life that is full of anticipation, a life that is full of excitement. I mean, when was the last time you were excited about something that you wanted God to do in your life or that God was doing in your life? When was the last time you were anticipating something that God was doing and it had you so excited you were like a little child? I love our, our new little grandchild. She's about five weeks old, and, and now she, when, you, when you really get her going, she goes. <laughs> and I look at that picture, and I realize they're so fresh, so excited. Everything is brand new. She anticipates every movement, reaching for the little orange giraffe. How many times you've been, when's the last time you were reaching for something in life that mattered like with this childlikeness, like, I think I can, I think I can. When was the last time you were so excited about what God was doing that you said, my goodness, it's so great, this childlikeness, this, this trusting, this believing, this honoring God, this submitted, this excitement, this God, whatever you want, God, wherever you want, God, whenever you want. I just want to do something, and I'll just do something even reckless and crazy and miss you by a mile because I'm so excited to do something for you. Has that been happening in your life recently? Are you open? Are you really open? See, you got to be open. Not, not only anticipating the new job, the new house, the new car, uh, the, the new school system. Not, not anticipating, that, that's good, yeah, we're gonna do, we got to do that. Sometimes we move around, we, we buy stuff, we do stuff, that, all that, this company, that company, this, this thing, this bond, this, this savings plan. We got to do all that. We do all that. But what about eternity? How many of you are anticipating eternity? You know, I was sitting yesterday on the back porch just for a moment, and I was just thinking, Lord, what about eternity? And it had nothing to do with this message at all. I wasn't even thinking about preaching. I was just thinking. Eternity. Man, it's going to be good. Matter of fact, you know what? I was, this is what I really was thinking. You want to know what I was really thinking? This is what I really was thinking. Lord, in eternity, no more sickness. Man, no more pain. And people's got so much pain in their life. No, no more aggressiveness. No more of all the things that we're suffering with. God, it's going to be good. I don't know exactly how. I mean, this is what I'm talking about, but it's going to be good. Matter of fact, I wouldn't mind going right now. Let me tell you something. When you live long enough to have experienced enough of the world, you start looking to heaven, and the things of earth start growing strangely dim, even in success. And all of a sudden, you start reaching for your home something about it, folks. God's put this thing of eternity in our life. The, you know, the next thing is, is that God changes my purpose when I obey him. <laughs> I love this. Our purpose is unlocked in our obedience, folks. 
And you say, well, obedience? Yeah, yeah, our submission to authority. See, because sooner or later, I've got to obey God and move deeper into the revealed purpose. Sooner or later, you got to move. Folks, you who are not moving, sooner or later, you got to move. You got, you got to move. You got to, you got to go ahead and obey him. Watch this. If you want God to use you in something big, then let him use you in something little because when God uses you, it's all big because we serve a God who is quite large. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. See, I, knew, I mean, one or two got it. We think we got to do something big for it to matter to God when God sings everything that's big and little and them it's all the same. One small act of obedience is the same as one. You know, there's none. When God says, give that man $5, why don't you just give him $5? But when God says, don't give that man $5, why don't you not give him $5? You know, when God says, I want you to go tell that clerk behind the counter, I love her, why don't you just go do it? I know it seems so insignificant. You want to write a book or you want to be noticed somewhere on television. I know that. God's big. He doesn't need big stuff. And he surely doesn't need a big shot. We've got to be obedient. When is the last time you obeyed God? When was that? Honestly. When was the last time you were open to God, to hear God, to even obey God? It's something we have to face because God wants to put us in his process. And the third thing is that God changes my purpose when I take opportunities he offers me. You say, well, God doesn't offer me any opportunities. Oh, I think he does. I think God does offer us opportunities. I think that, you know, and I can name some of them right now. I think God offers opportunity to go deeper in things like water baptism, which we're going to baptize in the next service. I think God says, here's a step. Here's a step to my purpose. Be baptized. Believe and be baptized. If you haven't been baptized yet, this is your next step to be baptized. It might be someone has asked you to join a small group with them, and that is an opportunity that God gives you. It may be that, that God has been speaking to you to lead a small group, and, and, and you're just struggling because of whatever reason, and it's time to just go ahead and obey him and find your purpose. Take those opportunities. I remember years ago, years ago, if you want to know how God moves you, I remember Jan and I, we prayed that silly little prayer, God use us. I mean, that's all, that's all we knew how to pray when we first got saved. I remember when I, Jan said, God use us. That's it. Amen. And then a couple of weeks later, I thought I'd follow my wife. So I'm by myself. And I said, I'd like sneak up on God. You know, it's like, God use me. Amen. <laughs> and so it wasn't but about a week later, one of our uh, home fellowship group leaders, we call them small groups now, small group leader, came to me and said, Van, I wonder if you would teach my uh, fellowship group next Wednesday night. And uh, we're from South Louisiana, so you can't offend Cajuns. If, if everybody in church was a Cajun, we wouldn't even have to preach on offense. <laughs> we wouldn't have to preach on offense because I looked at him and said, Tommy, I said, you crazy, dude. That's stupid. I ain't about to, I can't do none of that. I'll never forget I said that, you know. I could take you right to the spot where he, where he told me that. And so he said, okay. Well, the next day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He really did. And this is what he said. Now get this. He said, you asked me to use you, and the first time I wanted to use you, you turned me down. Now that's the same thing he told Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You see, God really wasn't interested in Tommy. He wasn't even interested 
in whether I would teach the Bible study or not. He was interested in whether or not I would take the opportunity that he put in front of me. And I'll never forget the fear of God came on me. And I, I, I said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, I will never again ever turn you down. If you will open a door, and this is exactly what I said. If you will open a door, I will walk through it. I cannot make a door myself. But if you make it, I'll walk through it. And I'm standing up here today speaking because God gave me an opportunity, not that I made an opportunity. Last week, we spoke in Mobile at a wonderful church, not because I asked, but because God opened the door. And I remember that 33 years ago, I said, Lord, if you open the door, if I can walk through it, I'm walking through it. You have to take the opportunities that God gives you. What is God putting in front of you? And then last when these things begin to transpire and you start finding your eternal purpose, you make a difference. It's exactly what you do. You make a difference. Jesus said this in Matthew 28. He said, I want you to go everywhere, preach the gospel, make disciples. In other words, what you've learned, go tell somebody else. Go do it. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's our mandate after we find our purpose you see, when I function in a changed purpose, I make a difference in the world around me. That's what happens. It, it can be nothing else. Because when I'm finally walking in the purpose that God, when I see eternity for what it is, when I see the judgment of mankind, when I understand the plight of the human race, something inside of me says, do something about it. And then I go do my part, not everybody else's part, not what this guy is doing, not what that guy is doing, but what God is prompting me to do because I'm open, I'm obedient, and I'm walking in opportunities. And when that happens, my whole life changes. Can you say amen? Now, it all starts with Jesus. Folks, Jesus is our champion, and he is the absolute only way for an individual to please God from beginning to end. Listen to me, church folk who've been around a long time, who, who, who are just kind of wondering where you're going to go for lunch right now. Jesus is your answer, your sustainer. He gives you grace to live. He is the one who puts the rug under your feet, and he is the one who is able to pull the rug out from under your feet. He is your king, your master. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the one that gives you the ability to make wealth. He is the one who sustains you in your marriage, in your life. He gave you your job. Come on now. He sustains you. He's Lord. And then for some of you who don't know him, he is the beginning of you finding real life and purpose. Amen? Amen. Now let's do this. I want to put up Romans chapter 10, verse 9 on, on the board for you. Just want to read this to you. This is what the Bible says. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's all in Jesus. There's no other name, we just sang it, no other name given among men whereby you can be saved except that of Jesus. 
Don't ever think that there's another opportunity, another door that opens up to you for salvation other than Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can save an individual from sin, and sin is what keeps people out of God's kingdom and family. Let's bow our heads together if you don't mind. Just for a moment. I just believe that in this room right now, there are people who have become hungry for God. I believe that you're sitting in that chair like I was 33 years ago, wanting to have real meaning in your life, realizing that you're kind of, you're separated from God and you really don't know him, but you want to, because I believe every individual deep down inside wants to know their creator. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to receive him. That's why we are here at this particular moment in time to give every one of you an opportunity. This is what I want to do. I want to pray with you in just a moment. What I want you to do now is just as you're just quiet. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor Van, I want to know God. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to pray with you, but I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front. I'm not going to do anything except while every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I'm just going to ask you right now to just lift your hand and lift it up and put it back down. If you say, Pastor Van, today is the day that I want to commit to Jesus. Just lift it up. Thank you, ma'am. Just go ahead. Don't be afraid. Yes, yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you. Don't be afraid. Don't be so proud that you think you can find another way because there is none. Go ahead and take the shortcut. Jesus did the long road so that you can really take the shortcut and say, I receive everything that Jesus did. Anybody else, just shoot your hand up. If you have not yet, just shoot up. Thank you, sir. Yes. Yes, right over here. Thank you. Yes, sir. God sees your hands. He sees your heart, too. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want everybody now look up at me. Go ahead. Just, yeah, just open your eyes now. Because we're getting ready to all pray a prayer together. We're going to put it up on the screen and we're just going to proclaim it because we believe that there is power in the spoken word. We believe that what comes out of your mouth, we just said, if we believe in our heart and if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So all of us are going to do this, especially you who raised your hand. This is your time, all right? Go ahead and put that up on the board for you, if you would. You ready? We're going to say it all together. Everybody in the room says it together. We're all together. Amen. You ready? God, I need you. I'm tired of doing things my way. Help me to start doing things your way. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I commit to live my life for you. I repent of my sins right now. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Fill the emptiness in me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to trust you. Help me to love you. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. 
You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.